Welcome to the eighth episode of VSMall 2018 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who I have previously described as a very hairy toothpick in a silly outfit, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And also joining us is our good friend, the guy who has had the wet dream that Ruben was worried about, David Bindley. I am not a toothpick in a wetsuit. As soon as that happened in the episode, I'm like, that's a perfect Bindle's intro. Yeah. We had the big top last time, and now we're just going for wet dreams about Jan. You'd think I would have prepared for this, but no. Who prepares for things? God. Yeah, exactly. Who records all of these really early in the year so he doesn't have to do anything? (laughs) Definitely not me. So previously, the final five continued on to day 12. They had to complete challenges under Old Shade's Watchful Eye before heading to do community service in Kutesi. On a train ride to Semi, deliveries were made, but the only actual thing delivered was a 500 euro penalty for the pot and a red screen for Stina. And they are in Bojomi. Art says that Stina went home with her head held high. She went home convinced she knows who the mole is. Everyone's on the same person. Is that the right person, though? The final four are proud they made it this far, but under pressure, only one of them will leave before the finale, which would be a nightmare scenario. And the episode title is Like-Minded. For once, Ruben does not start off being the narrator in this episode. Instead, we get Simona. Bojomi is famous for its healing mineral water, and they are on day 14. She says it's strange to have been around the same strangers for two weeks now. They toast to Stina, but obviously Elche gets one more dig in, that it was ideal that she'd left as she outlived her usefulness. And she knew who Stina suspected. She had all of her information, so now Elche has the opportunity to get to know Jan a bit better. He is her ideal opponent in the finale. Jan says Elche isn't the mole, and neither is Simona. The mole is a man, and that man is Ruben Hine. Ruben says that Jan could be a good mole and use his fanatics as a facade. And the same thing goes for Olche. And Simona says Olche just doesn't do her job in some assignments. She's secretly chatting with Jan and also with Ruben. This is basically just setting up the fact that Simona's getting iced out and then iced out of the game. There's not a lot more to this than the fact that Simona's getting fucked in this episode. <laughs> the most interesting thing about this is basically Olche being... Well, it's sad Stina's gone, but she was a bit pointless, wasn't she? <laughs> and, you know, looking at the rest of the cast, yeah, she was. We had a lot of fun last episode with the fact that Olche could not resist giving Stina a dig on the way out. Because Olche's goodbye message isn't, oh, my best friend in the game, when it was, yeah, I really liked Stina. We got on, we were complete opposites, but God, I had to give her a My Fair Lady treatment. <laughs> she was frumpy. <laughs> it's basically the episode that cements Olche's legacy in the mole, I think, of just being really fun, but you just wouldn't want her to roast you. She would be genuinely terrifying to be on the other side of, I think. I can only imagine how how what Olche would have said if she knew about the whole meditation thing too. And how many how many different towns are there in Georgia? Because on the on a map, it seems like such a small country, but yet this feels like the tenth town in Georgia that they've been to. And yet they do far more traveling than they did with China. China, they used two cities in ten episodes. They've used, as you said, about ten different towns in Georgia in the first seven or eight episodes. Well, you don't have to go too far to visit a new town. You don't, but also they really didn't do China justice especially as they weren't filming in pandemic conditions. They really didn't do China any justice in terms of travel, or challenges, or casting. So, they head to Vardzia for the first assignment. Art says that the monastery there was started in 1185 AD. It wasn't revealed until an earthquake struck in the 13th century. And it's the perfect place for a polyphonic show, 
and he even gets Ruben's confirmation that Georgia is famous for their choirs. They have to match the choirs singing the same song out of seven, and each correct match is worth 250 euros, and they've got 20 minutes to match them. I thought for a second there one of the choirs was singing ancient voices. Well, Survivor is back now, almost. Probably wouldn't be too far off, because I'm pretty sure the chanting that's in ancient voices is, if not Georgian specifically, and probably somewhere else in the Soviet Union, I think it's one of those languages. I thought it was Russian. can't remember off the top of my head, it's not Russian. Ukrainian, maybe? So it would have happened in the first episode? It's actually based on a Russian folk song. I have just googled it. Oh, I was right. You were, for once, you were right. How would you guys have done with this challenge, do you think? I I would have been really, really terrible at it. it. It's one of those challenges you get on the mall every so often that sort of feels like it's on the wrong show. It feels more like an Amazing Race challenge a little bit. And I'm not sure why that is, but I think China Rush was the one that sort of did basically this challenge, except with like two songs. But I, I feel like there's not enough here for the mall to sabotage somehow. Yeah, it's a bit too difficult for the mall to sabotage. We've sort of gone the other way. In in that I complain a lot about challenges where it's far too easy for the mall to sabotage see the train challenge at the end of the last episode. It's far too easy for the mall to just do one action and screw everything up for everyone. This one goes the other way where it's really difficult for the mall to do anything. Yeah, the only thing the mall could really do is make sure that they're not all in a group of four together because if they're in pairs, then they can screw up the numbers and say, oh no, we thought it was this one, this one, this one. Especially if you have, say, Stine in your in your group, then you can say, no, Stine, it was number one, it was three and four, not one, five and four. What are you thinking? And then the group will can just completely, can always contrast each other as long as they're not going to each station together. But then in the second half of the challenge, all four people are traveling together to each choir. And then it's like, well, then it becomes a lot easier to confer as a group as to which singers are are different, and then you're kind of screwed. I think the only thing the mole can actually do is sow a little bit of discord in this one. There's not a lot more they can really do, especially in such a public challenge, for want of a better term. Given that there's three challenges per episode, it's not the worst thing in the world that one out of three challenges each round gives the players a fighting chance to add money into the pot. Yeah, it's something that we don't tend to have in uh, in more modern Vidim seasons anymore. They tend to work on the assumption that you should always have the mole be able to screw everything up, no matter what, have zero euros in the pot. I, I think it's the sort of thing you kind of have to do when you're in Georgia, but I don't know that it's the sort of thing that makes for good TV. Yeah, it's the sort of challenge they couldn't do anywhere else other than Georgia. That's the key thing. It's it's more of a cultural challenge than a an actually difficult challenge for the contestants to win anything on. Actually, I think this might be the least amount of notes I've written down for any of the challenges all season. Well, it doesn't help that it's it's a visual challenge as well. <laughs> So, yeah, we get a lot of confessionals about how beautiful a sound it was. Then Olche and Jan reach the second choir, which is children, and Olche, being Olche, says that they weren't singing that well, but they were doing their best. <laughs> I, I wrote this down as well. Because Olche's an expert in Georgian choir. Yeah. I just love that Olche cannot even help herself but to bitch about children singing at her. I wrote down as well that like, she's bitching that they sucked, 
And then, you you know, three minutes later, Ruben, the professional musician, comes through and he's like, oh, they were just shy. <laughs> and, then, and I'm like, no, I'm with Olche. They sucked. <laughs> Imagine just Olche politely requests to replace one of the singers in the choir and then she joins the choir herself. It's like, oh, okay, okay, you tried your best. That's okay. I'll fill in for you. You can go home now. Well, you can imagine on an early 2000s season of The Mole that they probably would have said, pick one person to sing and then that person has to join a choir and be passable and do a Shoshaloza rip-off. I'm surprised that Stine wasn't in any of the choirs. That would be the perfect thing for her after being executed. It's like, okay, okay, Stine suddenly has really become fond of Georgian choir singing. She was. She was just in really shitty old age makeup. And then she went and joined a Greek track team. Yeah, I guess Dine, I think in an unaired scene, they were able to double their money if they could carry the tune better than somebody named Enitz, who is supposed to be 100 years old. And it was just Stina in uh, in a felt goatee. It's just her evil twin. <laughs> so yeah, Ruben says they were a bit shy because of the crazy Dutch people watching them. And Jan starts singing along to help him remember the songs in future. And they settle on one and four and three and seven are matching. Jan and Olche change their opinion on what the other match is, because one of the songs doesn't have a match. Art meets them and is proud of his musical buns, asking whether they're in harmony, or whether someone's singing from a different sheet. They get all three matches, and the right one on its own, so earn the thousand euros for the challenge. And that's it. So Simona says that the finale's in sight, and she needs to know the answers to the personal questions on the quiz. She implies to Ruben that she suspects him, and tries probing him for answers. And she says she wants two women and a man in the final, and she knows his birthday, that he plays piano, and he has two children, but not a lot else. Yeah, she asks him a lot of questions. This isn't the only scene. Like, they get pretty in-depth with how much information they show about Ruben and Simona. Well, they got nothing else in this episode. Yeah, you really did pick a bad episode to join us for, didn't you? You should have picked last time. Yeah, you've got two crap challenges and the best challenge of the season. <laughs> but you picked it because you wanted to do the next challenge. So let's do the next challenge. Yes. So for the second challenge, they are taken to the river. Olsha gets excited because she wants a water challenge. Well, you're going to get a water challenge, just not the one you're expecting. And they are told to sit in individual cars by the riverbank. Each car has an envelope listing a bonus track. And Art comes over the radio and welcomes them to the iconic karaoke. Each car has 10 songs, which they have to lip sync to each other for 50 euros per track. The bonus track is worth 100 euros, and they've got 10 minutes to earn as much money as they can. And for an extra bit of fun, the firemen nearby turn on their hoses. I think I've seen this movie. Doesn't Logan have this in his collection? <laughs> <laughs> I like how with Belgian Mole and Dutch Mole that they always try to outdo each other with karaoke challenges. Because the most recent Dutch Mole season had the, had the headphones karaoke. And then Belgium all, of course, had the Vietnamese massage karaoke. And then this, and then of course, this season of Belgian Mall has the, or I guess by the time this gets released, it'll be the past season. But the, the German season of Belgian Mall had the actual carpool of water karaoke. So, yeah, they always try to f- find some crazy adaptation of a uh, relatively straightforward activity. I know we're biased towards Belgium or Vietnam because we were at the finale, Clang, I know I've not mentioned it before, but I have such a recollection of the reaction for both the press screening of that episode and the actual normal person screening of that episode 
for Axel doing massage karaoke. I cannot remember two rooms of people who laughed harder than seeing Axel do massage karaoke. Of course, the the tone was set because the first song was Britney Spears. Oh, baby, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So Ruben and Simona are paired, and Jan and Olche, obviously. And Olche says that she doesn't want to do this challenge, as she's not going to embarrass herself. Well, just skip a few seconds ahead to when she starts doing a Michael Jackson impression in the front seat of a car. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to participate in this. This is just silly. And then we fast forward five minutes later to crotch grabbing. It's like, oh yeah, Michael Jackson. I I love that when they start doing the challenge, you can see the road in the background. And I just wanted to imagine what it would have been like to be driving past and seeing Olche doing that in the front seat of the car. Imagine just driving past and there's cameramen outside with firemen spraying hoses at cars with the windscreen wipers on as crazy Dutch people are doing impressions of Michael Jackson, the Dutch national anthem, and of course, Adele. That's my Tuesday night. Yeah, you just hear all of these different songs. Of course, you'd hear the songs blaring in each car too. It's like, what the hell? What drugs are they on? <laughs> So Ruben is so desperate for attention from Simona, and he describes himself as being like Kate Winslet in Titanic. <laughs> Yang gets Adele's hello as soon as Olche turns on the wipers. Simona was terrible at guessing. Her miming wasn't the greatest, and she was really enthusiastic with miming, but it was like ter- terrible miming. I can understand why R- Ruben couldn't tell the difference between, uh, what was it, fight and run, because... Like the when Simona was pretending to punch, it looked like she was trying to run really fast. I sent a gif of that clip, Simone doing Fight for Your Right to Party to someone to try and explain the challenge, and somehow they got it straight away, and I have no idea how. I wouldn't have gotten it right away. Well, thanks to the test at the end of this episode, we know how many roughly each person got of their 10 songs. So I'm assuming Simona identified none because she was the only one we saw identify none. I think Ruben identified three, Olche four, and Yan five. Although I'm not confident on Olche and Yan's. One of them got four, one of them got five. That makes sense, because they, yeah, we know for sure Ruben would have been three, because I think it's three is all we saw see uh, guessed correctly. So Simona is very enthusiastic, despite her reputation of being a serious newswoman. Olche and Yan are very in sync, and they get song after song. And did they get in sync as a song? I don't think they did, but the irony is, of course, that we're going to be saying bye-bye-bye to Simona at the end of this episode. They did do like a really good job picking the songs for like the circumstances they were in. Like, I, d- I don't think in any of the other karaoke challenges we've had, I don't think they would have had Paradise by the Dashboard Light. No, but that's also a rock-hard song to try and guess in, in mime form. That's true. We have to settle for carpool karaoke with 99's Luft Balloon. I got 99 problems and a Luft Balloon is every one of them. <laughs> what was funny with uh, what was I going to say with Simona? Oh yeah, that she tries to do the Paradise by the Dashboard Light but yet quickly skips over Ed Sheeran's Shape of You which, I'm not mistaken at that time would have been the most popular song on the entire planet and I think it's hovering around six billion views on YouTube. She's like, nah, I can't I can't do Shape of You. Let's skip. <laughs> I can't mind that. Probably about two months before they filmed this, Ed Sheeran's 
16 track album was 16 of the top 20 songs in the Irish music chart. I think at one point in the UK singles chart, eight of the top 10 were all from that album. It was a juggernaut. Yeah, so and, and they would have filmed this because this season aired in January of 2018. And I remember traveling through Europe in t- early 2017, where it was already a really, really popular song. And they would have filmed the season one in September or in like June or August. Yeah. Was it May, actually? Yeah, it was May because it was the Independence Day, wasn't it? Because Ed Sheeran's album came out the same day as the Nintendo Switch. So it was 3rd of March, 2017. Yeah, so this song, so I'm very, very surprised that Simona decided to skip that. I'm like, that that would have been such an easy song to mime, too, instead of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. <laughs> you just literally point to the radio at that point in time. You just go, it's the song that you will have heard so much of and are probably sick of by this point, two months in. They probably heard that song on the way to various challenges throughout the season. Yeah. I don't know how big Ed Sheeran is in Georgia, to be fair. I don't know whether he sold out a stadium in Tbilisi. That that hasn't made the news yet? No, it didn't come across my radar, that. <laughs> well, maybe he should have put more money on seat eight. <laughs> yeah. There's an Ed Sheeran CD under seat eight in the circus, and it's autographed. So Ruben says that his playlist is mostly shitty, and also the Dutch National Anthem. Like, how do you mime the National Anthem? <laughs> Well, I guess for like the American National Anthem, you probably put your hand over your heart. <laughs> I think that's what Ruben resorted to doing, but I don't think with the sound off you would recognise the National Anthem being mimed. I like to think that God Save the Queen would be an easier one of National Anthems worldwide to get, and I still don't think I would have got that with the sound off and with Ruben miming it. So then we get to Olche's crotch-grabbing moment for Michael Jackson's thriller, Yan when he sees Olche start grabbing her crotch, has to actually wipe the sweat off his brow. And they get it from her pretending to moonwalk with her hands on the dashboard. And then Simona looks like a Muppet when mimicking you got to fight for your right to party. <laughs> Ruben can't keep a straight face just because I guess Simona is notorious for being a super serious news reporter in, in Holland. I would assume so, yeah. And then here she is, and then he's like, yeah, then here she is going, fight for your right to party. <laughs> So the time runs out, they guess 12 songs, two of which were bonus tracks, and that means that they earn 700 euros of 2200 for the challenge, and we get another Opa from Jan. Simona identified none, Ruben 3, Olche 4, and Jan 5, I think. I, I feel like 12 out of 40 is really low, considering how long they had to do it. Yeah, and also bear in mind that this is another challenge the mole really can't impact that much. The mole can impact... They're ones that they're miming, they can do terrible mimes, and they're ones that they're guessing, they can do terrible guessing. They can't affect the other team, so they should have easily scored at least 1,100 euros. I, I think maybe Jan sort of trying to direct them to sort of do it so that they were miming to the person across from them might have played a role, because if they were doing it on the diagonal, I don't think they would have got the water blocking their view as much. But like even then, that would have maybe been like one or two extra songs. I have a feeling that it was probably in the instructions that they were miming to the person opposite them. No, because we see Jan Honky's horn and sort of miming to explain it. I'd always just kind of assumed that it was probably in the off-screen producer instructions. Although, um, I feel like they didn't really explain that much because well, they would have had to explain something because they 
didn't seem surprised that they were sent to sit in the passenger seats of the cars. Like, I feel like if you were in a charge and you were told, you know, go sit in the car, you'd go and sit in the driver's seat. And yet they all sat in the passenger seat. And I feel like something would have been said there. And obviously, you know, they were told off screen whether they had the songs right so they could move on. But I don't know, it's, it's hard to work out how much they were told here. Also, to be fair, if I was told to sit in a abandoned car on a mole season, I would worry I was about to get roofed. <laughs> I would worry that there were going to be four paint bombs about to set off in the middle of Georgia. Four paint bombs will go off unless you can guess the song by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I hope you noticed your own license plates. So Olche says after the challenge that both Ruben and Simona were suspicious, they brought basically nothing in in the challenge. And then Ruben and Simona have a mole date to swap information. Ruben isn't sure whether it's wise because he doesn't suspect her. However, he can use her answers to rule things out. And on day 15, they wake up in Borjomi, knowing today is the day that the finalists will be determined. Olche says she wants to go to the finale with Jan. She's printed out her questionnaire with all of her answers and wants him to do the same for his. He doesn't think that's a good idea because he knows Ruben better as they have shared a room in the past. And he suggests to Olche that she moles a lot today so that Simona puts a few answers on her. She's not sure, she doesn't think anyone suspects her, but she agrees to be a little bit shady. And they both agree that they will crush each other in the finale. And then Art says to us that if you know who the mole is, it is a pleasure to watch them work, which I can agree with. We're going to be saying a lot more about this next episode, but it is a genuine pleasure to see this mole work. Even though the group earns money, the mole is constantly sabotaging without being caught, even though it's a little bit close at times. The candidates are trying to fill up the pot, knowing that it is getting closer to one of them winning it. Is this the first time we've had a mole host admit that they know who the mole is without it being part of a challenge? I think it's always tradition for Dutch mole now for the host to know who it is. Because we saw it a lot with like Rick and Merrill taking selfies sneakily and things. I think it's just kind of assumed by this point in Dutch Mole. Because I don't think... Did PC Yan know who the mole was? He knew in Japan because Angela and Carol asked him. I think traditionally he didn't. I think Japan is the only one of his seasons that he actually knew who it was. Yeah, I think they told him because of that challenge. I think art must be the difference because he must have asked, can you just tell me who it is, please? I know Glenn definitely didn't because Glenn quite famously didn't know up until the point where he had to get involved in one of the clues. Glenn didn't know, uh, Grant Bowler didn't know, Tom Williams didn't know. Sure, I don't think was told until he had to do that, you know, interview them all off in secret thing. Papa Bear obviously knows. Yeah, because he personally cast them. Anderson Cooper didn't know. Ahmad Rashad? I don't know whether Ahmad Rashad, I, just, I still don't know whether Ahmad Rashad knows who the mole is. <laughs> Ahmad Rashad never had that mysterious quality to him. He was very much on the fun side of the uh, the scales. He's a good host for what the mole was in America. He's not a good host for what the mole is in the rest of the world. Mole-oha. So the final challenge of the episode takes place at the McVary River. Alche finally gets her water challenge. And as I know you found out, and they did actually mention this in the episode, they held the European Reffing Championships on the river not long before they filmed, and today they will be going down the same course. In the first part, they will get information and practice tactics. In the second part, they will learn how to earn money. And in the final one, they will earn their money. 
And if they do well, they can earn 4,000 euros. Uh, Ruben could not stop from making fun of David, the whitewater rafting instructor. It's another example of Ruben really narrating this season. And we we definitely are meant to agree with Ruben. Yes, it is fine. Hold the paddle. Don't drown. I think I saw that movie too. What, hold the paddle or don't drown? Both. Logan, you really need to stop lending your videos out. Yeah. <laughs> so Ruben says he did fear this sort of assignment. Jan is the wet dream of every man and woman in a wetsuit, and he is a very hairy toothpick in a silly outfit. Jan and Ruben have rafted before, all chains and Mona haven't, and they don't know what's about to happen. Jan spots a sign. There are 12 lines with tubes over the river. The second sign says that the tubes will all have colours. The third sign tells them that in some of the tubes are money. The fourth says in other tubes are minus money. And they basically have the advantage of having Yan, who has pretty much 20-20 vision, and can see the signs from a mile away. There is a whole lot of bickering about paddling. Ruben says he's in a good place, as he can just steer the boat and sit at the back. And then, as Logan said, Ruben just does a great impression of the guide. He just has a lot of fun with it. I don't even know what nationality the guide actually is. I don't think he's, he's Georgian. I don't know, because... I know Bindle's spotted this, but all of the flags that they do end up seeing are countries that took part in the International Rafting Championships in that year. They didn't want to throw in, like, the Rwanda flag, or the Chad flag, or Nepal, or Bhutan in there? I, I looked it up because I was trying to work out what the flags were, and, you know, because I thought, you know, maybe it's a big event or whatever. The Netherlands didn't even compete. Basically, the entire western half of Europe did not bother to show up. Apart from us. Yeah, UK turned up, Italy turned up, Denmark turned up, and then it's all, like, Eastern Europe and Croatia. Well, to be fair, as with a lot of things, we do have fairly good rafting facilities, at least for the London Olympics. It's not one of the sports that we really focused on to annoy the rest of the world, like cycling. You just have to turn up and you annoy the rest of the world. Oh, I know, but it's really funny seeing the French headlines every time someone British wins the sort of France. I mean, that's why David, the rafting instructor, was just so miserable. Why one of the camera people was British. Now the UK team just beat him. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> they just beat him single-handedly. He went head-to-head with a Brit and just lost. That's that's all it was. Now he's stuck training uh, Dutch D-list celebrities on how to paddle. I will have you know Olche is C-list. It is a foul aspersion to say that she's D-list. <laughs> this is the last year when they actually try getting reasonably famous people and then it just goes... Yeah. And basically, from here on, it's basically, you know, one person with a lot of Twitter followers and then a bunch of nobodies. I, I love how they have a, a variety of different people. Like, it's not all, you know, reality stars or, you know, Towie people or whatever. Like, this Final Four, you've got a newsreader, a classical musician, a fashion designer, and whatever the hell Jan does for a living. I don't think it really matters. He's pretty. <laughs> He's a TV presenter and runner-up on Dislim's Demands. In the same year that Art won, and I think Diedrich was in the finals in that year as well. You'll learn about Diedrich soon, Logan. He's in Oregon. So the fifth sign says that the money is doubled if the right person takes the tube. In the second section, they will see a name, a flag, and a colour on a sign. The first one is Ruben, Croatia, and Yellow. Jan seems to be making Opa his thing, because he says it again here. Then Simona gets the Georgian flag and blue. Ruben is so tall he has to duck from a tree. And Jan gets told off by Ruben for repeating colours. He says he's so stupid, he needs to keep reminding himself. 
And in the third section, they see the lines and the flags. The flags are all of countries that took part in the championships. Simona grabs the first tube before Jan dives for the tube on the UK flag. And he describes himself as a failed Superman. But it is a bit more David Hasselhoff in Baywatch. Yeah, you gotta love Ruben's narrating. The better bit of this is the fact that Jan looks genuinely fearful that he can't get back in the boat. And David pulls him in with one hand. And how he's there, like just just grab onto the paddle, man. <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta put. But he was, Yan was like the Augustus Galoom from Willy Wonka, trying to like grab onto lollipop to get himself out of the chocolate river. It it just wasn't happening. So Ruben misses his yellow Croatia tube. Olche takes two from the Russia one because they are tangled. They just miss the Czechia one. Then Ruben misses his Romania one. And Jan grabs his final one just before they reach the end of the course. When they reach dry land, they find 250 euros, minus 50, 250, minus 50, and minus 50. The two positive notes were both taken by the correct person, which means they earn 850 euros of 4,000 for the challenge, 2,050 out of 7,200 for the episode, and 14,250 of 54,580 for the season so far. And then Ruben struggles to work out where the extra minus money came from. And Art struggles with his own lines because at the end of the challenge, they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Art didn't say prepare for test and execution. And they're like, oh, yeah, he just said see you later. I guess I guess we're all in it for another day. And then he just has to casually stroll back over and he's like, oh, yeah, and prepare for test and execution. I have mentioned this already this season, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot more next week with what actually changed after this season, but... You would never see Rick do that. Rick is so kind of robotic and rehearsed, for want of a better term, that you would never see Rick forget to, say, prepare for test and execution. You would always see him having refilmed it and pretending like he'd not forgotten. Or dub it in. They would never draw attention to that with Rick as a host. And I think that's one of the main differences between him and Art, is the fact that Art can just laugh at himself far more than Rick ever did. What's even better is that after our art comes over to correct himself, how they all just grill Ultra and say, you shouldn't have said anything. If you didn't say anything, we wouldn't have had the test and execution as if as if it would have made a big difference. Ultra, you big grass. <laughs> Should have just kept your mouth shut. So it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Wait, wait, Michael, Michael, who are your three favorite actors? I don't know. I would have to think about that. You're not really helping me out with gaining information for the quiz, man. I can't remember what I put on the questionnaire, sorry. Finley, who who are your three favourite actors? I didn't even bother filling out the questionnaire. <sighs> Shit. I just circled like the left-hand side all the way down. And we all know that if Logan filled in the questionnaire on his favourite actors, none of us would have heard of them because they would all be in his mucky movie collection. I was actually going to say, like, they'd all be Canadian independent film actors. Now, when you say independent, is that like saying entrepreneur? Jesus Christ. Let's see, my three favorite actors, Rick Moranis, Dana Carvey. Mike Myers. Mike Myers, yeah. Colin Mockery. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> As everyone else like, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, who was favorite actress? Meryl Streep. And then, yeah, it's like, you just have the one Canadian contestant go like, ooh, I really like whoever played uh, Doug and Bob and Doug McKenzie. Kobe Smulders, eh? I really like Ryan Reynolds, eh? 
So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least is out of the game, except for the mole who can never go home. The three survivors of this execution will be our final three. The test happens at the Romanov Palace. Cool location. It's a very cool location. Did you know about the Romanovs before Art actually told us about them in this episode? I know who the Romanovs were, but I didn't know that they had a palace in Georgia. That surprised me. Apparently it was their some palace. I actually looked this up afterwards. He says he says it in the episode. Yeah, but it was actually their like summer retreat. I don't think Art actually says it was the summer retreat in the episode. I got more information than Art gave us anyway. But yeah, I did during my A-level history course, I did a year of uh, of Russian history. So this was super interesting for me because we did all about the fall of the Tsars. And my favourite bit of the entire test scene is the fact that the first thing we see of Ruben is the fact that he's just chewing grass. Like he's a cow. <laughs> he's grazing. We get absolutely no context for why Ruben is chewing on grass like he was a year late and thought he was in Oregon still. He's just trying to remember Logan's favourite actors. Apparently he was doing it for the last quiz in a different spot, but for this episode they had to let that other field follow. They put him out to pasture. So Olche says she really wants to make the finale, but she's grateful of the experience and she's going 100% on Ruben. Simona is nervous and trying to keep track of everything she discussed with Ruben. If you look at what he's brought in, Ruben is 100% the mole. Jan says that it's good to spread over four to five people in the beginning, then three or two, but now he should only be on one suspect. Unless you're the athlete from China. Unless you are Nathan, yeah. <laughs> if you spread, you're gone. Ruben is clumsy and passive, and 100% the mole. And Ruben has two suspects, both very fanatic, both have big mouths and small hearts, and both are potential moles. Olche is a brilliant candidate, but he says that Yan is the mole. And I do love that they ever so slightly tease Ruben here by having Yan right before him go, you should only be on one suspect, no one else is going to spread, what the hell are you doing? And then cut to Ruben going, I've got two suspects just in case. Big Mouth and Small Hearts is one of Logan's movies, isn't it? It's something like that, yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm not sure it's mouths and hearts, though. So Art says that they've had quite a trip to get here, Ruben and Olche starting in Kazakhstan, Simona in Azerbaijan, and Yan in the Ukraine. Since then, they've rafted, paraglided, joined the circus, worked with heavy machinery, and of course performed karaoke. If they leave now, they can look back with pride, but one of them still has to go before the finale. For some reason, they speak a lot of English during this execution. Yeah, they do. I mean, Yan is always kind of butting into English a little bit anyway. I'm thinking of, like, the non-elimination episode. He does whisper to Simona, Don't leave us! And this one we get, like, a Corey Feldman, Nice one, dude! I'd forgotten how good this execution scene is as well. It's really, really good, because you have Ruben as the first finalist. He gets the first green screen, and he's really excited. You have Olche as the second finalist, losing her shit. And it's really funny, if you watch that scene, to go and watch Jan and Simona at that point. Because Jan and Simona are distraught, and Simona is trying so hard not to laugh at Olche's reaction. It's very endearing, because she basically jumps up and down at one point. And unsurprisingly, Olche's grin is our banner for this week. Oh, good. Because it was my highlight of the episode. So, yeah. Jan and Simona are left. One of them will get a green screen and go to the finale. One of them will get the red. Unsurprisingly, Simona gets the red screen, leaving Jan as the third finalist. And Jan admits to Olche that he was a little bit surprised she got a green screen as she writes nothing down. And Simona thinks that Ruben duped her. It was such a fun experience, though. She played the game solo for almost all of it. And she's still 100% convinced that Ruben is the mole. I can't remember a time that's happened where somebody gets executed and they're like, no, I'm still right. 
No, I, I still know who the mole is. I'm not wrong. There was an interview a few weeks ago with the producer of the Australian version of the mole because he also did Celebrity Survivor. And so he was doing an interview about that, but the mole came up and he basically said the first season, somebody made it quite deep into the season, like Final Four, Final Five, something like that. And then they they got executed. And then he sort of asked them at the end of the day, so who do you think the mole is? And they went, and they went me. What? Like they, they didn't understand the, the concept of the show and they still made it, you know, five, six episodes in. Well, to be fair, there are a few examples I can think of in Vidim of people not understanding the show and still getting very far. You rolling? <laughs> Save the Oregon jokes. There is a better Oregon joke coming on that on that subject. So next time, the final three face their final challenges. They run through a castle looking for money, search an observatory, and head out in a larder for the final time looking for mullets. Have you guys got anything you want to say about Simona? To eulogize her as the, the final player executed this season? So she thinks that Ruben duped her on Philip Seymour Hoffman being his favorite actor? Yeah, she does. It's actually Chris Catan. Ah, got you. <laughs> you just got mulled, Simone. Suck it. As long as it's not history's greatest acting robot, David Duchovny. The truth is out there somewhere. Suck it, Simona. I think for the season, it's for the best that Simona went, because Jan, Ruben, and Olche are, I would say, potentially my favourite final three of anything. Usually we just get one star of this quality. We get three of them, and they are the final three. The only other season of anything I can think of that's got a final three this good is The Amazing Race 3. We've got Flo and Ian and Ken and Gerard. And also Zach is there as well, but who cares about him? And Terry. Terry is more of an all-stars person, I think. Like, she's more... She comes into her own in all-stars. Yeah. You know, when she almost falls out of the boat and drowns. And then, you know, the guide has to pull her in with one arm. Was it David? I don't know. I'm going to have to go and look that up. <laughs> I cannot think of another Mole Final 3 that I love as much as Jan, Ruben and Olshe for many different reasons. For Dutch Mole, you mean? Maybe Mole ever, actually. Even in Belgian Mole, there's usually someone who you go, eh, they're a bit of a, a weaker person. I can't think of a weak link out of these three. Belgian Mole, Vietnam, who is the weaker person? Bass. Bass. You mean Buster Bluth? When you're faced with Axe and, uh, and Elizabeth as the other two options, Baz is obviously the weakest option. And in any other season, Baz would probably be my favourite person, but, you know, not that season. Yeah, it's not to say in the slightest that I dislike Baz. It's just the other two got far more entertaining airtime. We also have very, three very different personalities heading into the finale of, of Georgia. Yeah, and spoilers, I have watched the reveal again of this season. It's the only bit of the uh, the finale and reunion I've watched again because I'm trying to not skip ahead too much, and it is amazing. It is just as good as I remember. Well, if I remember correctly, going into the right before the reveal, they said that the Netherlands was split like thirty three, thirty two percent on all three suspects. I think it was about forty, forty, twenty. There was a clear person they didn't think it was. So have you guys got anything else you want to say about this episode before we talk about what the mole did? That thing where, you know, Art was going on about how, like, the, the annoying, you know, journey speech at the execution, 
that was really well done. Like this season, aside from the opening challenge, I don't think this is a season that feels very action-y compared to other mole seasons, but he really sold it. I think it's fair to say that this season has a lot of love and attention put into it. It's one of the many reasons that we wanted to make this the first Vidim season we covered is the fact that they really tried this season. They don't always hit. Sometimes there are some some stinkers. It's not the best season ever, but they really, really put some effort in and it gets a lot of brownie points from me. I remember the Sri Lanka season, I think we later worked out, was moot at like, you know, with like two or three weeks to go before they filmed because i think they were going to film that one in russia or somewhere and then that was the year that the plane got shot down over ukraine i think the annexing of crimea was around that time as well yeah and there there were a lot of dutch people on that plane so i think they sort of moved it to you know avoid all of that stuff and i'm wondering whether this whole season like we knew about russia but i'm wondering whether like the whole season was russia or whether they were always going to do that premiere challenge and then do Georgia. And then maybe they just had this sitting on the shelf for three years and then they sort of able to tinker with it and make it even better. Because Oregon is a little bit better than all the other seasons around it. But aside from this one and Oregon, we basically haven't had a really good Widom season in a long time. No, Oregon, as spoilers we are going to get to in a couple of months' time, Yay! Oregon is a season that I like a lot more than some people do, because even though it doesn't necessarily hit every time, it's a season where you can tell they are really trying, and trying something that's heavily themed. And yes, the theming gets a little bit wonky halfway through the season, which is going to be very entertaining to talk about. But you can really tell that they were trying in that season, and they were really trying in this season. Yeah. Which isn't something you can necessarily say about seasons that are to come and that we've already covered. Yeah, because you've got, you know, Sri Lanka that basically had about three weeks' notice to film into it, and you can tell. Dominican Republic was terrible. Colombia was terrible. China, they only went to two places. Renaissance sort of started okay and then died. And then Czechia, you know, things happened. But yeah, this is a really, really good season. Oregon's a really good season. And then there's a whole bunch of crap surrounding them. So, thank you for listening to our VS to Mole 2018 recap. We'll be back next week to conclude the hunt for the old mole in Georgia with our finale and reunion episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logspaquacky, Bindles is the Grim Recapper, and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next flavouring. I look forward to your complaints. Please stay tuned for what the mole did. So what did the mole do? Uh, I know they really screwed up on the paddling challenge. I know Yan was really trying to screw up which direction they were going in. I seem to remember that Yan was always going to dive out of the boat because it was wasting time and skipping flags and stuff. Yeah, because after he gets into the boat, they do not get to the next one, right? They have to skip the next one? No. They skip about three as a result of Yan jumping into the water. There's a reasonably strict time limit on the choir challenge and Yarn also wastes time there clapping for the choirs and like no move on go listen to the next one stop clapping i think that was one of Yarn's prime strategies throughout the season which is finding ways to 
distract the group and waste time in each task. Not necessarily present incorrect information, but a basic tactic of his would be like, oh, what's a way to waste a couple minutes here and there? And most of the time it would work out, and sometimes it didn't matter. But it adds up. You got to try. Yeah, I, I did notice a hidden clue in this episode that I don't think they cover in the reunion. Was it the um, the extra songs? No. Um, at the start of the episode, when they driving to the choir challenge and you know, leaving the hotel, we get a nice big close-up of the number plate on the car, which is WI001DM, so basically Widom 001. And the first person into the car is the mall. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Because the theory I saw was that in the karaoke challenge, all of the bonus songs were sung by artists whose surnames begin with J. Oh. I don't know whether that actually was a hint. I don't think it was covered in the reunion. That's uh, that's an interesting one. What were the bonus songs? There was Piano Man was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Thriller was one of them, I think. Yep. I think we did find out, thanks to the website, what the other two were, and they both were artists beginning with J. But I don't think we saw them in the episode. Uh, one of them, Jan said, but I can't remember the name of it because, like, he said that before they explained the challenge, and he just looked completely disinterested. Like, yeah, bonus song, whatever. Moving on. And another classic Jan tactic, which he does twice in this episode, is constantly repeating information. So he does it with the um, the choir. He sings the songs over and over again to try and distract Sol J, and then he repeats the flags and colours to distract people. And Ruben even calls him out on it. He's like, "Stop it! You've been a pain in the ass." Well, even one of the confessionals, Ruben says, Jan was mauling a lot in the in the paddling challenge. And the other thing that isn't necessarily a sabotage that I do have to bring up is he does say that he's going to crush Elche in the finale, which is true. He'll crush her hopes and dreams because her <laughs> reaction is amazing. So is his suit. Oh, his suit is impeccable. That's like the one thing, that's the only thing I remember about the finale is that, everyone, that when it aired at the time, everyone was talking about his suit. I have yeah. mentioned in this podcast a lot that i love yan's fashion sense i love yan's finale suit so much it's maybe my favorite finale outfit ever and i don't think i could pull it off i don't think you're his type to pull it off so my suspicions at the time were in order yan ruben and olche which is pretty much how it lines up with uh, with the netherlands next week and the bothers bar suspicions at the time were yan olche and then ruben have you guys got anything else you want to say about what yan did no, I would like to add that Simona's list was just Ruben, Ruben, Ruben. I think that was her suspicion list. So, thanks guys, we will see you next week. Aight. See you next week. Wait, why am I saying see you next week? I'm not going to be here. Yeah, you're irrelevant now. <laughs>